about to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. Talking about the anointing, how many of you have finally figured out you do have one? It is the ability to do everything in your life, anything God wants done. You've already got the ability on the inside of you to do it, praise God, because you have God's ability in there. You have power over all the power of the enemy, not just some, but over all the power of the enemy, and the anointing is a very, very, very important thing that God has given you here on the earth, praise God. All right, John chapter 4, are you there? Look at verse 24. We're going to start there. It says, God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, I want to focus right there on the beginning. It says, God is a what? God is a spirit. So one thing you're going to have to understand as you operate in the anointing, that the spirit realm is the prominent realm. It is the dominant realm. That there is a spiritual realm there that you can't see with your natural eyes. But God is a spirit. God made you in his image and likeness. So you are a? Angels are a? Demons are? So notice, we're dealing with whole different thing here, all different kind of spiritual things there. And what you've got to understand is spiritual has the dominance over the natural realm. So spirits have influence on spirit beings who live here. How many of you live here? Praise God. Good. I'm glad you're here. Glory to God. It's very important as we talked this morning. Yeah, there's influences in your life and in other people's lives by the spirits, basically, who operate in the realm around here that you can't really see, can't do. That's why you think sometimes, you think, uh, how can people be so dumb is to support abortion? Come on, that's not even normal thinking. How can they support abortion? How can they support two men getting together and two women getting together? How can they do that? Well, basically, because they're under the influence of something in their thought life. You say, well, that's crazy. Well, on the other hand, it's crazy to lay hands on a sick person and watch them recover. It's crazy to cast out a devil, is it not? So why, why can you do that? Because you're also under the influence of a... So there's spiritual influence everywhere that you are. When you get born again, the Holy Ghost gets an invitation to start meddling in your life and have an influence in your life. But I found in my own life, I still have influences that don't belong in my life. And I want to get free of those because the anointing is important to me and I know they will not operate as long as I have those roadblocks in my spirit and in my soul. Are you following me? All right, go to Hebrews chapter 1. All right, Hebrews chapter 1. Look at verse 8. It says, But unto the Son, he says, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. For thou hast loved righteousness and hast hated iniquity. Therefore, God, even thy God, has anointed thee with the oil of gladness above what? Now, this is talking about Jesus, of course. Here it gives you some, some interesting things about him. Number one, Jesus loved righteousness. He loved righteousness. What was righteousness? It was right standing with the kingdom of God, a right way of talking, a right way of thinking that lined up with God and with his kingdom. But notice also he hated. Now, it's hard to believe that Jesus hated anything, but here it says he hated something. What did he hate? He hated iniquity. Say iniquity. Iniquity. So notice, because he did that, 
because he loved righteousness and hated iniquity, he was anointed above all his fellows with the oil of gladness. Now notice, let me just say this, the anointing when you're operating in it has an element of joy with it. If you don't have any joy, chances are you've, you've stepped out or something someplace along the line because it's an oil of gladness. It's not an oil of sadness. It's not an oil of depression. It's not an oil of trials. It's an oil of gladness. So since Jesus loved righteousness and hated iniquity, he was anointed above his fellows. So lightning fast brain, whoosh, if I can learn to love righteousness and I can slowly learn to hate iniquity, then I will be anointed above my fellows, praise God. And I'll have the oil of? Hallelujah. Are you with me? Glory to God. So it's important that we understand righteousness. And I thought, why is it so important that we love righteousness? Well, the kingdom walk, if you study it out, is very simple. It is righteousness, it is peace, and it's in the so if I'm going to walk in the kingdom of God, these are elements that I need in my life in order to be walking in the anointing of God and the kingdom of God. I need to be walking in righteousness, which always leads to peace, which always leads to joy, which always leads to walking in the Holy Ghost. So what was it teaching me? It was teaching me that righteousness was a very important thing in my life, but also peace. Peace was a very important thing of my life. So I started to discover wherever I stepped out of peace in my life, Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. He said, be anxious for nothing. Why is that? Because it must be important for us to be able to walk in peace, to line up with righteousness, so we walk in the joy and we walk in the power of the Holy Ghost to the anointing on the inside of you. So iniquity comes basically, and it's not the total thing, but let me just put it the way, it's an antichrist spirit. Iniquity in your life. What is iniquity? Well, sin is sin, but if you sin and keep sinning and keep doing the same sin and keep doing the same sin and keep doing the same sin, it becomes iniquity. Why? Because something comes in on that sin and starts influencing you to do it, and basically you keep doing it, even though you might be born again, even though you might be full of the Holy Ghost, you're still walking in that sin or that iniquity, and pretty soon it becomes okay and common to you so that you're doing it and the, the conviction has worn off now. And you're just doing it, and you see other people doing it, so praise God, if other Christians can do it, then I can do it too, and all us Christians do it anyway, so why can't I do it? And basically it goes by the wayside. But what you're doing is you're walking in iniquity, and whenever you walk in iniquity, you lose your peace. So if you lose your peace, it shuts down the righteousness. If it shuts down the righteousness, you're not walking in the kingdom of God because it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Ghost. So once again, you're under the influence of something that's in your life. All right, go to Luke chapter 22. Yeah, we're going to hit some stuff this morning. Don't worry. Any examples I use will be of me because I don't get offended at me. Luke 22. Look at verse 1. Now the feast of the unleavened bread drew nigh, which is called the Passover... And the chief priests and scribes sought how they might kill him, for they feared the people. Then entered Satan into Judas, surnamed Iscariot, being of the number of twelve. And he went his way and communed with the chief priests and captains how he might betray Jesus unto them. And they were glad and covenanted to him to give him money. And he promised and and sought opportunity to betray him and in the absence of the multitude. So now notice, here it's talking about Judas. Say Judas. Now, if you read the Bible about Judas, Judas was not a bad guy. You know that? 
Judas basically was in the church of Jesus Christ for three years. He was following Jesus every place he went. He was one of the 12, the coveted 12. Judas was one of them. Judas listened to probably every sermon that Jesus ever gave. He was probably yelling, amen, hallelujah. Heck, he might have even been taking notes. I don't know, praise God. But at the whole time he was in there with Jesus, but yet at the same time, there was a spirit in his life influencing his life, a spirit of iniquity that had him loving money more than he did the ministry and more than he did Jesus. So what did he want to do? He wanted to sell Jesus out, basically. Now notice, all the other people with him traveled with him all the time, were with him all the time, spent time with him all the time. None of them knew that he had this problem. Remember when they were at the sup and Jesus says, one's about to betray me, and they said, gosh, is it me? So obviously they didn't know it was Judas, or they said, that bozo right there is going to betray you. (laughs) See? They, They walked around with him for three years. They were with him all this time. They spent time with him. They were in Sunday morning church at TCVC. They were coming on Wednesday. Oh, I'm sorry. Coming to church all the time. Hallelujah. Praise God. Here I am. Love you, brothers. Love you, sisters. Doing all this stuff. But they had something hidden that he, didn't, that he knew about, but nobody else knew about. And that was basically, he basically loved money more than whatever. Now, how many know Judas knew he had this problem? Apparently, he didn't want to solve this problem. He just thought he'd keep right on going. And notice what the problem eventually did. It not only cost Jesus his life, it cost him his life. What happened? When he finally did it, it got so strong conviction on him that he hung himself or did whatever the Bible says he did. What happened there? It was an iniquity in his life. Are you following me? You'd have never noticed it from the outside. That's Judas. He's one of the 12. He's he's really lucky to be one of the 12 and be with him. But at all the time on the inside of him, there was something going on. There was a spiritual influence taking place that he needed corrected. All right, go to Luke chapter 9. All right, look chapter 9, look at verse 46. Then there arose a reasoning among his disciples, which of them should be the greatest. And Jesus, perceiving the thought of their heart, took a child and set him by him. And he said, Whosoever shall receive this child in my name receives me, and whosoever shall receive me shall receive him that sent me. And he that is least among you all, the same shall be great." Now, here's, these are his disciples again. Say his disciples. Here's his disciples. They're listening to every sermon. They're following Jesus. But they had a problem because they all wanted to be how great thou art. They all wanted to be the one that everybody knows. Oh, John, he's the one. He's the best of the 12 disciples. He's wonderful. He's So even though they were good people, even though they were with Jesus, even though they were hearing every sermon, even though they were in church every day, even though they were around Christians every day, they still had an issue that came out that was being influenced by a spirit. And come on, we see this in the church today. We see pastors fall. Most of them fall simply because they want to be the greatest pastor in the entire world and everybody know it. When I used to get called in to go to TBN and basically the pastors come in and they put you back in this green room and you're supposed to discuss with these pastors what they want to do or what they want to say because I was a host and every one of them wanted to do the same thing. Well, brother, give me some time to talk about my great children's ministry. Give me time to talk about how well our church is doing. Give me some time to do this and do that. I'd say, next. The other guy would say, yeah, give me time. I want to know how many people we got. They want to know what a great work. I said, hey, we're here to lift up him. 
We're here to help people get to him. We're not here to promote your church. We're not here to make everybody know that you've got the greatest thing, that you've got the most powerful anointing, that you've got to... Whenever you come into a place in ministry where you start criticizing other ministries, you better watch out. Why is that? Because there's a spirit in your life, and that spirit's trying to get you into that place. And why are you criticizing people? Because you've got all the answers. See? Come on. That pastor, my God, I've been here 10 years. He don't know what he's doing. If I was running that church, I'd just tell you how it would go now. And you've built nothing in your life. Come on, are you following me? But everybody wants to be how great they are. Everybody gets a little bit of success and they want to jump up. Or whether the disciples were the same. Praise God, we've been following the man, you understand? And he's, I know somebody's going to be on his right hand and on his left. And praise God, that's two of us. And there's a, a ten, 12. And Judas is out. Praise God, we got rid of him. Now it's two out of 11. Praise God. And I want to be one of those. You see, they weren't concerned about what God wanted to do. So Jesus just says, you want to, you want to be world famous? Yeah. All right, I'll tell you what to do. Serve others. Oh. Oh. Okay, you two can take my spots. We decided not to. But what happened? There was something there, hid there. And of course, when the two started doing it, it jumped on everybody else because they got mad. Yeah. See, they weren't even talking about it before that. But when they found out somebody moving up to the top, he's going to change. That's the way it was going to go. And so what is there? there? There's that thing even in your life. When you do something good, that's great. When you do something anointing, that's great. When you do some, But you can't come to a place where you start to exalt yourself. Yeah. And I'll tell you what the Bible says. Love builds up, but knowledge puffs up. You got a better chance of being puffed up than other people because you're getting more knowledge here. That's right. That's what I said. You're getting more and deeper knowledge here, and other people aren't getting that knowledge. So when you get there and you got more knowledge than them, boy, you really want to tell them. You want to tell them everything you know. Praise God, rather than helping them where they're at. Come on now. And that's a spirit that's in our lives. That's a spirit of iniquity. Well, what does that do? After a while, praise God, you ain't going to live up to your great mind to how great you think you are. You're going to run into trouble. Then you're going to f- lose your peace. Then you're going to lose your righteousness. And then they're going to wonder where the anointing is. Somebody say, lay hands on me. I can't find the anointing. I don't know why I lay hands on you. I've been now. See? So all these things are spiritual things that you'll learn to detect in your life as the anointing goes to work. Does it heal the sick? Yes. Does it cast out devils? Yes. Does it work on you? Yes. Because the Spirit of God knows what's best for you. So he's going to do some work on the inside of you, praise God. And he's slowly perfecting you. He's slowly maturing you. He's slowly growing you up so you can be used even better than you are. Now, that doesn't mean if you've got some of these things in your life, you can't operate now. That just means get rid of them and you'll operate even better than you're doing now, praise God. All right, Luke chapter 9, look at verse 51. And it came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers before his face, and they went and entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. And they did not receive him, because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, will that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them even as Elijah did? Now, how many of you have ever thought that's a good scripture if you stopped right there? See what happened again. What happened again here? Somebody came against them. Someone didn't like them. Someone was an enemy. Someone said something that they didn't like. So what did they want to do? They wanted to burn them up. How many of you ever like to burn somebody up? You know, if everybody could burn somebody up that wanted to burn somebody up, there'd probably be nobody left. Because we'd all be burned up. 
you see? But that was their answer. So you know they weren't under the, they wasn't the Holy Ghost saying, burn them up, praise God, call fire down. But they were under the influence of something in their life that was leading them in that direction, and that's what they learned when they were young, and they were still believing if the enemy comes, you punch them right in the nose, you do whatever you can to get back them, you do whatever. But notice what Jesus says. Look at verse 55. But he turned and rebuked them and said, you know not what manner of spirit you are of. What's he saying? Man, you're under the influence of something that you don't even know you're under the influence of because we're basically here to help people, not to burn people up. It's a completely different thing. But you're being controlled by a spirit there that's causing you to do these things. Now, here's where you really got to be careful in this day and age because it's easy to want to burn people up right now. Politics. Anybody like to burn anybody up? Come on, people out there running their mouth about stuff that doesn't even make any sense. It's not godly. How many people like to burn them up? But see, we're not called to do the burning up. We're called to do the restoration for them somehow, some way. And the only way you can do that, you have to look past the things that they are doing. And don't fill yourself up with these things. If every time there's going to be discussion on TV about how bad the other side is, don't sit there and listen to it over and over and over because you're going to hate people you never met. I saw you on TV, praise God, and I'll tell you what, I don't like you. Well, I don't even know who, yeah, I heard you, that's enough for me, praise God. I hate your guts at this point. Fire, fire, fire. <laughs> Notice it's a heart condition, isn't it? It's a heart condition on the inside of you, and you don't want to develop that. And you can tell when it's coming because you get that. <laughs> Come on. You're listening. News, I don't even watch the news. I don't want to, I don't care about the news. I don't care what's going on in the news. I care what he's doing and what he wants done in this time and in this day. Yes. See, that's what I want to be concerned with at this time. I know the news is not going to be good. I've been watching it for years and it was never good. How long did it take me to figure it out? But you listen to that stuff and listen to that stuff and it builds up this on the inside of you. Are there some goofy people out there? Yeah, but notice they're under the influence. Yeah of a spiritual being, and they think they're even right because they've been doing it so long that that's the way they've learned, that's the way they've been taught, and that spirit of iniquity is on the inside of them and basically running their thought life and everything else. So you've got to look at them as a person either on their way to heaven or hell, and if they're on their way to hell, you need to do what you can do to get them going in the right direction. If you've got to intercede for them, then you've got to intercede for them, whatever, because everybody's under the influence of a spirit somewhere along the line, praise God. All right, go to Luke chapter 19. I kept it all in Luke today. You're welcome. All right, Luke chapter 19, verse 1. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was a chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus who he was, and could not for the press, because he was of little stature. And he ran before, and he climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up, he saw him, and said, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste, and came down, and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying, that he has gone to be the guest with a man who's a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him, what? 
Now, how many know this guy had a change? Something happened there. He was in with the crowd. Zacchaeus was there. Nobody really knew him, but he had a problem. He loved money. Enough not only that he collected taxes, but he collected taxes that weren't even taxes, so he'd have more money. So what was he doing? He was ripping people off. He had a problem. In the eyes of the people there, he probably had a good job. He was probably well-known. Everybody was nice to him because he didn't want to get ripped off. He was doing real good. But in his heart, there was something tugging there that was saying there's something wrong with this picture. Now, let me say one thing. It's easier to stay in the crowd. Much easier to stay in the crowd. If you've got a problem and it's a problem that you thought was big and everybody else is doing it, you'll do it. I mean, if you're around Christians who cuss and swear and everything else, and one time that bothered you, it won't bother you anymore. You'll just say, hey, man, that's the way Christians talk. That's the way they do things. Uh, take, smoke marijuana? Yeah, praise God. That's the way we do it in the church, you know. And, and you're in with the crowd, and the problem is here, notice, he didn't catch any slack until he came out of the crowd, and he climbed the sycamore tree. Listen, you will never get free from your iniquity till you climb the sycamore tree. And it's hard. It's hard to do. At least we can climb it. This poor guy was short. I mean, here he is, the first branch. <laughs> Probably can't even reach a thing. And then he finally climbs all the way up there with them stubby little legs, trying to find a branch to get all the way up the top so Jesus could see him. And then Jesus says, come down. He says, come down with haste. I'm imagining he fell out of the tree. I mean, he ain't going to come down with haste. He's too small. He probably just went, okay, ready to go, Jesus. But notice, something had to be changed, and the only way it could be changed was for him to run ahead and have an idea to climb the sycamore tree. So Jesus taught me a long time ago, the reason why you're still in bondage in areas of your life, because you refuse to climb the sycamore tree, and you put up with the iniquity that you know that's in your life that's not of me, basically, because you're so used to doing it, so you need to climb up the sycamore tree. Say, climb the sycamore tree. Say, deliverance. Only comes when you climb the sycamore tree. Now, I'm going to give you some examples from my own life. Got married a long time ago, 30-some years ago. Basically, when I got married, there was a difference there because I had worked at a job where it was a clock, and you punched in at the clock, and when you punched in at the clock, you needed to be there because you were on the clock. You didn't show. I worked 28 years at the post office. I was late one time because somebody had an accident in front of me, and I helped them. So basically what I did, I had in my heart to be on time was a very good thing to do. That's just the way I was. That's the way I came up. That's the way I was. Well, then I got married to a wife who did not have that same perspective. You see what I mean? And hang on, I'm not talking about her today. I'm talking about me. Are you following me? So basically, she wasn't ready all the time, praise God. She, hardly any of the time when you tell, what time we're leaving? What, what does it matter? Come on, I'm thinking from my thoughts here. So what would happen? I'd say we're leaving at 10 o'clock and it'd get to be 10 o'clock, so I'd go over by the door. And it'd be 10.05. And it'd be 10, 10. Are you done? Just about. Okay. And she would finally show up, and she'd get to the door and walk out and say, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Ever happen? Oh, I forgot. Forgot to get to my uh, purse. Okay, I'm coming. Oh, wait a minute. I left my phone. Got to go. And I'm at the door the whole time going. <laughs> finally, we get in the car, no matter what time it is. So I go to the Lord, and I said, hey, you got to do something about this woman. And God spoke to me and said, don't try to make her climb the sycamore tree. You climb the sycamore tree. Now, that's not the answer I was looking for, praying for, or hoping for. I did not write it down in my notes. 
Why? I said, what do you mean? He said, you're losing your peace over a situation which is costing you your righteousness, which is costing your anointing because there's a spirit of iniquity that's been there that makes you mad. Late or not late, you don't have to get upset about it. You don't have to lose your peace about it. You don't have to get angry about it. If you're late, you're late. But see, I was trying to teach her. If you're going to be late, this is what you're getting for the rest of the day. And bless God, next time you'll be on time. How many know it didn't work? Because the only one noticing I was angry was me. Come on, it wasn't working for me. So now, basically, I sit there, and I might be watching TV, and it's time to go. And she says, ready to go. I said, okay. She said, I'm ready. I said, when you get outside and you head towards the car... I will gladly shut the TV off that I'm watching. I will get up and I will follow you to the car and we will go and I'll do it in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Come on now. See, the problem was not her. The problem was me. See, and then it carried over into the church because as a pastor, I like to be on, I think a church should be on time. That's just where I'm at. Probably wrong again. But wanted to be on time. Well, we had a music team here for quite a while who played music. We had all musicians and everything else. And I told them back then we started at 10. I said, I want you to start at 10 o'clock. That's what we do. We start at 10. Well, pretty soon it was 10, 10, 10, 15. Why? Because when they came out to play, there was no one here to play for. So they wanted to wait around until someone showed up because there's no sense playing praise and worship for us four and two other people in the corner. And so it's not going to work that way. So they, so they did it. So when all that fell apart and all that went away, I made a pact with God. I said, we are starting at 1030 every Sunday morning. I don't care if it's me and Chrissy and Luann. We are going to start praising the Lord. We're going to start putting in the CD. We're going to do whatever we want to do. Why is that? Because I believe that's what needs to be done. But that started irritating me even as a pastor. I'm up front, and I got a sermon, and now it's 10, and now it's 1015, and all that stuff sort of cuts you at the end of time because everybody wants to go home by noon. See, puts pressure on you. So it was even starting to steal my peace and joy because we weren't starting on time, and then the music came, and then they'd go off into some music that lasted another hour, and my God, before it was over, I got to do. And I had the word of the Lord for everybody. People are dying because I didn't get out there on time. Come on. And now I'm going to preach a sermon. You all stink. See, you can't do that. You can't allow yourself to do that. You can't give up your peace in any situation that's there. You cannot do that because once you give it up, now you've stepped away from that anointing that's on the inside of you. You stepped away from the righteousness that's there. Same way with alcohol. I mean, for years, I wanted to quit. I'd lay on the couch drunk on Saturday night saying, Lord, I want to quit. This is my last time. I get in the morning hungover. That's my last time. And I la- yeah, this is it. And they call me at 6 o'clock and I go back out drinking again. What was the problem? I was staying with the crowd. I couldn't come from out of the crowd. I never wanted to climb the sycamore tree. And one day I said, all I know is confession, and I'm going to get my buns up, and I'm going to go to Catholic confession like I'm supposed to go to. What was I doing? I was finally climbing the sycamore tree. I was finally taking one branch at a time, and I was getting up there. When I got in that confessional, apparently I climbed high enough because Jesus saw me. And I mean, he came and supped with me and has never stopped supping at my house since. Praise God. Hallelujah. But it took an effort on my part. Are you following me? I was so blessed last week by R.J., R.J. was up here talking about his dad, not John, his dad. You're welcome. Clarify that. He has a different dad for those of you that thought. 
I understood. Becky said, do you think anybody thought that? I said, I didn't, but maybe people did. You know, I don't know. But it wasn't John who's... But notice, it was his dad who was very, not very nice, his dad who's mean, his night who wasn't a very good dad, wasn't very... Now, if he stayed with the crowd, he could just stay there and be a failure and say, it was my dad's fault. My bringing up cost me everything. I'm never going to be anything because I was brought up under a family where a daddy didn't love me, didn't care for me. But instead, he started climbing the sycamore tree because he wanted prayer for his dad. He wanted his dad changed. It was not going to affect him, praise God. So he'd already, I stood there for years. Well, we may change, may not. But no, now he started climbing up the sycamore tree, started doing something basically, and started changing it, praise God. Hallelujah. And that, that, that impressed me, you know. That was something that he would do that at that age when so many other people are saying, well, you've had a tough life and that's why you should be a failure and blah, 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 blah. Well, that's another spirit of iniquity that comes in your life. And all you want is an excuse for the dumb things you do, praise God, and blame them on somebody else. I mean, oh, you're responsible for your life. Glory to God. I'll give you one more. When we first got married and uh, we... But back then, she shopped a lot. She hardly ever shops now. We hardly ever do that. But well, she went to, wanted to go to the mall a lot. Well, the mall was not exactly in my playbook. So when it was time to go to the mall, I went along. And I was so happy to go to the mall and spend a couple hours there, I could barely take it. So I took her to the mall, and I wanted her to have the worst day at the mall she ever had in her life. So she'd never take me to the mall again. What was I doing? Trying to get her to climb the sycamore tree rather than me climbing the tree itself. So once again, went right to God. Thou hast woman you gave me, change her. And he said, hey, you can go to the mall and actually enjoy yourself if you'd like to. And I said, well, I'll go there and you'll have to lead me and show me how to do it. And you know what he did when I got there? He sat me in the middle of the mall on a bench. And I watched people go by. If you think TV's good, my God, you ought to just go to the mall, sit in the middle and watch people walk by. It is amazing to watch them and their attitudes and their, and I see, I saw other men like me. You carry the package, you bought the shoes. And I said, that used to be me, but it's not anymore. You know why? Because I climbed up the sycamore tree. Since I climbed the sycamore tree, I'm going to sit here in peace and joy. And most of my joy came from people walking by me, praise God, that time. But what happened? There had to be a change in my life that needed to be done. So I started checking in my lifetime all the different areas of peace. When I start to lose my peace and find out that I've been losing my peace in that area all of my life. Been giving it up all of my life. Another one I'll tell you too is, is forgiveness for somebody that hurts you. When years ago, you know, when we first got started, we were in about a year and a half, and somebody wrote a letter out and gave it to everybody in the entire church about what a heretic I was and how I taught faith and the anointing and it wasn't possible and blah, 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 and blah, 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 and all that stuff. And then he, I met him one time, and I came to him, and I, you know, I thought, gee whiz, you know. He, first he said, I'm just going to leave the church quietly. How I many know that's not quietly? <laughs> And what happened? I said, Lord, you know, I forgive him, and I forget about it, and that's it, you know. And I thought I did until I was at Bell's one time, and I ran into him in the store. He was in the women's section, and I made sure I went to the men's. Come on, when he went to the boys, I went to the tennis shoes. Why? I didn't want to run into him. There was something in me yet 
come on, there was still a persuasion in there yet that was bothering me at that time that was, you know, I forgave him. Lord, I forgave him. But I didn't. I could tell I didn't. I could tell there was something in there. So I just happened to have a $10 off 20 buy coupon in my hand. I was going to get some new shoes, tennis shoes, so I could jump higher, run faster. <laughs> and there he was with a shopping cart full of stuff and walking with a little limp. And the Lord, of course, said, I want you to go over there, and I want you to offer to pray for him, and I want you to give him the $10 off 20 and I said, what about my shoes? <laughs> but he didn't care. <laughs> and people say, was that a good idea? No. Not an idea I had. So I went over to him, and I just said, hey, do you remember who I am? Oh, yeah, I remember who you are. Saw you're limping there. You got a whole cartload of stuff. I came in. I'm not really going to buy anything. <laughs> Wait a minute. Well, here it is, $10 towards your thing, and I see you're limping. Could I pray for you or whatever? And he said, you know, go ahead. So I prayed for him. And when I left, that which was Amen. in me right. was no longer in me. But I thought I'd been completely delivered. So if you're running into people that you knew in the past or know right now, and basically you feel like avoiding them, you have not climbed out of the crowd, and you've not gone up the sycamore tree yet. Because once you really determine that, and really, the Bible says don't return evil with evil. Return evil with good. See, until you do that, there was no deliverance in my life to separate me in that area. Even though, I mean, I'm pastor and I forgive and I know how to do this and I, I've forgiven and all that. No. So there's things in our life that are going to try to steal your peace. And when they come, you know what they are. I mean, they could be your spouse. They could be a friend. They could be your boss. You know, at work, I used to get so upset because I worked. I mean, I, I'm a worker. I go out, if i got an eight-hour route, I'll do the eight-hour route, I'll be back. If it's nine hours that day, I'll still try to do it in eight to help the people out. But there was other people in there who didn't quite have my outlook. So when they had an eight-hour route, it turned into a 14-hour route because they just weren't in a hurry. Case in mail. And then what happened was, if you were a good worker and got back on time, you got sent back out with the guy who didn't want to work and you had to take his short route, which was really exciting when you got back in and did a good job, praise God. So I went to God. I said, hey, these people got to change. You better get a bunch of sycamore trees in here. And there better be some super-duper climbing before this thing's over with. Do you understand? And he said, have you been praying for increase? I said, yeah. He says, do you make time and a half? When you work overtime? I said, yes, I do. He said, then when you get two hours overtime, that's more than you'd have got if you didn't work two hours overtime. And I said, that's right. So now I was thinking, slower, go slower. Go slower. Blog it out. Why? Because it was overtime for me. But once again, I had that perspective again. I'm going to work 100%. You better work 100%. I'm gonna, not everybody's like me. Not everybody's like you. Do you understand? You can't compare people to where you're at to where they're at. You don't know what kind of influence they're under. You don't know where they're brought up. You don't know what they're thinking. They don't know what they're doing. But you are responsible to climb your own sycamore tree in the areas of your life that's stealing your peace, that's stealing your joy, that's stealing all these things. You've got to just learn to relax, praise God, and get through these things. If you really want to deliver to that, you go to God, praise God. You do something towards that. You do whatever you need to do to get free of that in your life because you cannot operate powerfully in the anointing with iniquities in your life. 
Hallelujah. It doesn't matter how great you are or how great you aren't. Praise God. It doesn't matter what your spouse is doing. It doesn't even matter what your kids are doing. See? And, and we were growing up when your mom yelled at your dad, he yelled back. And then she yelled back. Then he yelled back. Then they yelled back. Everybody yelled back. And then the Bible said a soft answer. I mean, it wasn't really biblical, was it? So then in my own life and in our own relationship, we do that. We use soft answers. We, we don't fight. We don't argue. We don't raise our voice. We don't do that stuff. That's the ways of the world, praise God. The anointing isn't going to be all excited if you just cussed out your spouse and kicked your dog. It's not going to do much for you. You see what I mean? But we want that anointing, we want it active all the time. We want it alive all the time. We want that peace and joy in us all the time. So we're in a position, and I'll tell you, you'll live longer when you're down to that stress and that mad all the time and this. So the question is, in, in your hearts this morning, what the heck is the thing that always burns me up? What's the thing that flicks my bick? What's the thing that pushes my button? What's the thing that irritates me? What's the thing that gets me? And you need to direct on that and start going after that. Because you don't need to do that. You've got authority and power in that area of your life, and you don't have to put up with that stuff. You don't need counseling. You just need to do what you know you need to do. Come out from the crowd and get up the sycamore tree. Praise God. Hallelujah. And notice, out of all that crowd there, that says there was multitudes there. Jesus only spoke to and helped one person. Well, what's wrong with Jesus? People in there needed some help. What kind of pastor is he? Well, he knew who was ready. He knew who had climbed the tree. He knew whose heart was in the right position. And when he was, he found him. There he is, right up there, praise God. And he pulled him out of the crowd, and there was deliverance for Zacchaeus. Now notice what Zacchaeus did. Total change. I'll give it all away. I don't care about it anymore. And I found you, and I got rid of that iniquity money spirit on me, praise God. I don't care if I got any money or not. I just want you to come to my house. I want to spend some time with you. I want to sup with you. So you got to be careful about money, too. Say money. Because money. money's a big iniquity in people's life. It's more important than God, praise God. It's more important than God when you ain't got any, and it's more important to God when you've got a bunch. In the middle, it's pretty good. <laughs> See what I mean? You got enough, you're believing, you keep getting enough. You keep, then all at once you hit the lottery for millions, and all at once things change. Or if you ain't got enough, you know, you can press in. When the church went back years ago, I don't know how many years ago, it was 15 years ago or something, money was tight. It started happening to me. When I went to work and drove in the vehicle, I was thinking about finance. I was thinking about the bills coming up. I was thinking about the kids' bills. I was thinking about all these things as I was driving. And I had to stop and I had to climb the sycamore tree. I had to say, hey, your problem, God. You said you would supply all my needs. Say needs. Notice he said needs, not all your wants. So if you go in debt because of your wants, it's not his fault. You should have stayed at the needs and you'd have ended up with the wants if you've been faithful with him with the needs. Are you following me? Amen. So in your life, wherever it is, whatever's in there, whatever's causing you to lose your peace, no matter what it may be, what takes place. I mean, you know what they are. Everybody's got a few, don't we? All got something that just irritates us all the time. And there they go again. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. And what is it? It's something that you have to deal with. And if, if people are going to be that way, you can still walk in peace despite what they do, praise God. And you've got a better chance of helping them than if you're avoiding them or running away from them or whatever. So find the areas in your life that cause you to lose your peace and start climbing the sycamore tree, praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right.
Here's the key.